0: KYW Original Podcasts.
1: For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In Depth on the radio.com app or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: The Coronavirus Pandemic from KYW In Depth.
1: Congress is spending more than $2 trillion on a relief bill while much of our economy is shut down because of coronavirus. That seems like a massive amount of money. So what exactly is in the bill? How much of it is going to help you and your family, your employer? We wanted to break this down, so we invited one of the smartest people I know. His name is Stephen Portnoy. He's the White House correspondent for CBS News. To come on the podcast and explain what what's in the bill. How much of it is money that you're going to see directly? And how much of it is going to be used in ways that maybe you, you don't see quite as apparently to keep the economy running while so many people are out of work. Steven, it's a pleasure to have you on KYW In-Depth. Thank you for your time. Hey, you bet. It's good to be with you. Hey, so real quick to start out here. Pretty much everyone's job has changed dramatically in the past couple of weeks. But I, I was wondering what covering the White House during a global virus pandemic looks like. How has your job changed? Well, significantly.
0: I mean, I'm one of the many reporters here in Washington and across this country who are operating from home. Uh, my apartment is about a mile and a half north of the White House, and that's from where I'm covering the White House. Uh, we have figured out a way technologically for me to be uh, just as functional and talking to you remotely. Uh, as I would be if I were covering the White House. I have an eye right now uh, on a live shot of the uh, north lawn of the driveway where officials uh, sometimes hold those gaggles. I have live pictures from the briefing room, and I'm able to work, fortunately, uh, on the radio just as efficiently as I would from my booth, the soundproof booth we have for CBS News in the basement of the White House press office just beneath the briefing room. So uh, it's by necessity that we've had to do this. And frankly, uh, one of the things we've had to do as a press corps is significantly reduce our footprint at the White House. It is very close quarters. It's hard for people who've never been there to understand it. You see it on TV all the time, but um, anyone who uh, has heard or has been to a television studio knows that things are always smaller than they look on TV. And that's the case, certainly, at the White House, where the briefing room space is pretty much the size of a small tiny indoor swimming pool, which it used to be. Uh, From the Roosevelt era to the Kennedy and Nixon era, uh, it was a swimming pool that FDR built, and then Nixon uh, filled it in and made a press lobby. Ronald Reagan put in the 49 seats, and that's the tiny space from which we ask those questions of officials. Uh, Because it's so tiny, because there are only 49 seats, and because we've been advised to do this social distancing, the White House Correspondents Association, of which I'm an officer, has uh, engineered a rotational system whereby of the 49 seats, we're only filling 14 of them. And that has resulted in a significant reduction in the number of reporters who are present each day.
1: Wow, that is fascinating. Well, I'm, I'm really glad that you're able to socially distance and be safe and still uh, do your job. Um, I hear you every morning on KW News Radio, you're doing a phenomenal job. So thank you so much for that. Thank you, sir. We got some numbers this morning. 3.3 million people filed for unemployment benefits last week. Can you just put that in perspective for me? What, what is that number normally? Well,
0: normally it's in the very low hundreds of thousands if it is a bad situation. This is the number of people who apply for unemployment benefits in the recent week. And the highest it's ever been on record is about 700,000 in October of 1982, when in the midst of uh, an inflationary situation and uh, the continued rippling effects of of the energy crisis in the late 1970s, there was a downturn in Ronald Reagan's second year. And that was the high watermark for jobless claims. 700,000 people in one week applying for unemployment. Well, that has been uh, completely wiped aside. What we have now is a situation in this country we've never seen before. 3.3 million Americans filed with state agencies for unemployment benefits last week, and this is the first significant data point that the government has offered that paints a picture of the uncharted territory we're in as a country. It's a very stark picture, and that's why there's a tremendous urgency here in Washington to pass the massive economic
1: recovery bill, rescue bill, really, that has been worked on in Congress this week. There are a lot of questions out there about what exactly uh, is in this $2 trillion, $2 plus trillion bill. I'd like to ask for your help to break it down sort of through the lens of any one of the millions of people who are out of work and need a little help right now. Um, the, the part that's gotten the, the most attention have, have been the direct checks. Can we start there?
0: Sure. And, and perhaps it's not uh, where most of the attention is, is worthy, uh, because really the benefits in unemployment, but we'll get to that in a second. When it comes to the direct checks, what we're talking about is people who in either 2018 or 2019 made less than six figures as individuals. If you made less than $75,000, and that's the income you reported on your 2018 tax return or recently filed your 2019 tax return, you will get a check per per individual taxpayer of up to $1,200. If you have uh, children, you'll get $500 more per child. If you didn't make enough money to to, uh, pay federal income tax, let's say you're a retiree or you're on disability, you'll still get the $1,200. If you made more than $99,000 in either 2018 or 2019 in your most recent tax return, you'll get nothing. And that's small comfort for professionals who are now being laid off because they had income a couple of years ago and were in the higher income brackets for sure. But now, how do they make ends meet? So the question becomes. Uh, what what to do for them? And also, how soon will these these uh, payments go out? In the case of people who are receiving the payments, if you happened to list your bank account on your tax return in 2018 or 2019 for a direct deposit refund, well, you might get your money as in as little as three weeks. But if you did not, if you received a paper check from the Treasury, it could take months for that check to go out because it's a manual process and the Treasury can only print so many checks and mail so many checks at one time. So uh, that's for people who are getting those checks. Let's talk about unemployment benefits. And this is the real help for people who are now uh, without income. And it's a broader category of people, more than people who are uh, perhaps salaried or hourly wage earners who have recently been laid off. It's been expanded to include people who are uh, working in a freelance capacity or in the new gig economy. The benefit uh, will be supplemented, what, what your normal uh, check would be, for example, from uh, Pennsylvania or New Jersey or Delaware, will be supplemented by an extra $600 per week through the end of July. That is substantial. Think of it. Four checks per week of $600 per week, that's an extra $2,400 per month. So yes, that $1,200 payment is is, is significant, uh, maybe a $3,000 check if you have a family of four and you need it. But the $2,400 per month through the end of July is going to be much more in the aggregate if you need it. Uh, there was some discussion here in Washington about the idea that some people who are on the lower end of the spectrum might actually wind up making more money uh, collecting unemployment than they did when they were working. And some Republicans raised an objection about that. They described it as sort of a, a, a perverse incentive for employers to push people out and and put them on unemployment. Uh, and the Treasury Secretary and the President dismissed those concerns on Wednesday night, saying that, obviously, in this country, people want to work. Uh, the benefit is short-term. And if some people wind up with more cash in their pocket and they happen to need it, that's okay.
1: And Stephen, that extra 600 per week in uh, unemployment benefits, there is no income uh, minimum or maximum for that, right?
0: That's right. Now, uh, if if you had... Uh, a pretty substantial income as a professional person. Uh, it, it might
1: be a pay cut, but at least it's more than you'd otherwise get. Right, of course. Well, an unemployment benefits would be a pay, pay cut anyway. Well, yeah, of course. Okay, so uh, the, another part of this bill are, is money that, the, that Congress is allocating to fight the virus directly. What, what's involved there?
0: Well, there is money for um, hospitals and doctors. I mean, a lot of the discussion has been about um, making sure that supplies, the personal protective equipment, the ventilators get out. And there's a lot of uh, cloudiness or it's not quite clear how this is, is working and is going to work. What you're hearing from the top officials here is that they're doing all they can to ramp up capacity, that the private sector has ramped up production of the masks and the ventilators. But when it comes down to what's actually going on in the hospitals, it hasn't quite reached there yet. And that's why you're seeing pictures today in the news of people, uh, doctors and nurses wearing garbage bags to protect themselves because they've run out of gowns, Uh, you know, having to make makeshift face shields with their kids' homework plastic folder covers. Uh, It's a desperate situation in many of these hospitals, and doctors and nurses have been doing what they can to protect themselves. Officials say that they are doing what they can to get the material out from the national stockpile, such as they have it, and also ramp up production. But these things do take time. The situation is increasingly desperate.
1: A lot of conversation about testing has, has been happening. There, there aren't enough tests. Uh, people who want to get tested can 't is is anything being done to help people get tested for a coronavirus
0: Well, every day tens of thousands of more tests are being conducted, and not just in government run labs but in private labs and this is something that uh, again is is an example of the fact that uh, an immediate need arose, and our system in this country was not designed to to uh, grapple with that kind of need so um, and and decisions were made early on that were not necessarily prudent to uh, for the CDC to chart its own course and make its own test and sort of toss aside what what had been working in other countries. So uh, the United States was already behind the curve. Uh, what, What did happen, though, in recent weeks is the private sector started ramping up its own ingenuity to develop its own tests alongside what the CDC and government workers had been working on. So together, you've got the CDC test, public health labs in each of the states, you've got private sector labs like LabCorp and quest diagnostics, you've got hospitals that have their own labs, and now you're at a point where tens of thousands of samples are being tested every day. You still have a backlog. If you are able to get a test, in some cases it's still difficult because doctors say we well we have limited supplies and we're only going to give you this test if you're actually showing symptoms. Uh and then, you know, once you get that swab, those swabs done, then they have to be shipped off to a remote location for the testing, and there's a backlog there because this is high-tech stuff. You've got to analyze the RNA and convert it to DNA and see whether, in fact, the virus is present. What we just learned today is that there's another company that's developed what what they expect will be a finger prick test where people can be tested for the antibodies for the virus and that that test can come in in about 15 minutes. If you've ever taken an HIV test, you know that what the test does is it, se- it, does, it senses whether... HIV antibodies are in your blood. Not whether you exactly have the virus, but whether your body has responded to the presence of the virus. And that's the kind of test that can determine whether you have coronavirus or you have had coronavirus, because the antibodies, of course, live on. So this antibody finger test is going to be something that is going to be eventually put in widespread use so that you could go to your doctor at a point of care, they call it. You'll be able to sit there. They'll be able to prick your finger, take a small amount of blood, put it in the machine,
1: and within 20 minutes, you'll know whether you have or have had coronavirus. Wow, that's incredible. Is it, do you know if there's a, a timeline on something like that? No idea on the timeline. It's just been announced today. These things take time. Yeah, understood. Uh, Steven, um, one question I think a lot of people have especially if they work for a small business. you know, If you're working at a pizza shop and that shop just closed down, uh, as this goes on another week and another two weeks, is my, is my employer going to be there when we're all opened up again? Has there been any consideration about that uh, in Congress at the White House?
0: Yeah, that's actually the lion's share of this $2.2 trillion package. And we've spent a lot of time talking about direct payments to individuals, but most of the money is actually going to businesses. And we're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars that businesses can tap into either in loans or grants, that is money that they don't have to pay back. Um, The mechanism for this will be distributing the cash through the Federal Reserve and through banks, and uh, some of the backers in Congress say that uh, for businesses who are able to access this money, they might be able to get it in as little as 36 hours. The effort is on to try to shore up businesses with short-term cash liquidity so that they don't have to close their doors or lay people off. But, as the numbers indicate, more than 3.3 million Americans have already gotten the word, and that was as of last week. So millions more are likely to be applying for this relief. The Treasury Secretary said in a briefing on Wednesday night that he believes this $2.2 trillion package would be enough to tide the American economy
1: over for three months. The indication is this is just the first phase. We've heard a couple governors saying that, uh, you know, that this is great, but there's just not enough money in this bill to help uh, them uh, survive. You know, s- states are not getting uh, the amount of money that they normally get in from taxes. Um, what What is in this to help states themselves, Pennsylvania or New York or what have you? Some money, but not nearly enough, and the point
0: is absolutely right. Think of what we 're in right now we 're in a period where economic activity societal activity has come to a halt. People who would otherwise go to restaurants and bars and uh, you know theater productions and movies uh, anything engaging in, in in commerce has you know consumer activity department stores it 's all come to a stop, and so certain aspects of our of our economy continue humming along to a degree. I mean, the, the, you know, the shipping industry, the uh, grocery stores, uh, you know, obviously you can think of the things that people need that they're still able to access. So well, those aspects of the economy are, are moving along, perhaps a bit hobbled from a staffing perspective, but they're moving along. But so much else of our economy, the things we do each day, the way our behaviors have changed, have been significantly altered. And we've never been through this as a country before, so we don't know how it's going to shake out. So one aspect of it, you're absolutely right, is the sales tax revenue that states and gov- and localities would otherwise depend on. And that has seized up. And until we get through this period, that's not going to flow again. So direct cash relief to governments is something that the federal government is also
1: looking at. Stephen, you're, you're in the weeds of this, and thank you so much for uh, <laughs> breaking this down and ex- explaining everything. I- is there anything that you think uh we haven't been paying enough attention to
0: well i think you know you, you, we we should focus on the fact that the public health officials are saying the only way for this virus to be stopped barring the development of drugs that can be proven to be effective or a vaccine that can be proven to be effective is for the human immune system to stop it in its tracks And that's why we're in this period of social distancing. The economic damage that has been done to the country is a function of the fact that Americans are scared and are taking advice from public health officials and orders from government leaders. So until or unless the virus is stopped in its tracks, life won't resume as it existed just a few weeks ago. What we heard this week from Dr. Anthony Fauci is alarming, and he, of course, is the top infectious disease expert at NIH. He's got his eye on what's going on right now in the Southern Hemisphere. Just as we in the Mid-Atlantic are getting into our spring and summer, well, down below the equator, they're getting into their fall and winter. And what he's now observing are early indications of cases ramping up in the Southern Hemisphere. And what he says is, it's going to be inevitable then that even if the United States gets ahead of this, it'll bounce back in the fall.
1: White House correspondent for CBS News, Stephen Portnoy. Stephen, thank you so much for your time. Stay safe. Please keep up the good work. You bet. You too. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. If you want to listen to more stories about the coronavirus pandemic here in the Philadelphia area, or if you just want to know how the news that you see on TV or here on the radio will affect you personally, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Just search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Tom Rickert, and we'll have another episode out soon.